Welcome to America's Top Rebbitzins. May this class be for Rafua Shalema from Murdahai Ben Bracha. If you'd like to sponsor our podcast, please email us at atrebitsons at gmail.com. I am so happy to have on today's show, Rebitson Sarah Blau. Rebitson Sarah wrote a book called Close to You, Daily Spiritual Motivation, Inspired by the Tanya. This book is geared toward women of all backgrounds and unlocks the life-changing secrets of the Tanya with daily meditations and practical tools for daily living. This book is amazing. Please tell us more about Close to You and all that it has to offer. Okay, sure. Thank you for having me today. This is really, really exciting. And yeah, Baruch Hashem, it's really exciting to have the book in my hands. And what it really is, is a book of meditations. And the way I understand that is life is crazy. <laughs> we have life is hectic. We run around. We have so much to do. And, and sometimes we have the luxury of sitting down and learning in depth, but most often we don't. And so I created this book to be short meditations. You can read something short and have the ability to think that for the rest of the day, um, using whatever limited time that you have something to inspire you like, like bite-sized, like bite-sized inspiration, practical down to earth in English, in your language, with an example, with a one-liner takeaway at the end, there's like a one-liner, what are you going to take away for the rest of the day? Um, so that's, that's in short what the book is all about. I love that. And I love that it's short and concise. And you're right. We're doing so many things. We don't always have time to spend 20, 30 minutes a day reading. So something short, something practical with a takeaway. That's what we all need. So it's amazing. I'm ready to dive in. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So your book close to you is based on the Tanya, as we mentioned earlier. For those of us who are not familiar with this text, can you please tell us exactly what is the Tanya? Sure. So the Tanya was written by the first Chabad Rebbe. We call him the Alta Rabbi. His name was Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi. And the book is actually nicknamed the Tanya after the first word, Tanya. That's the first word. <laughs> um, the, uh, you know, on the cover of the original, it actually calls it Sefer Shalbanonim. And we're going to discuss what that means. The book of the Benanis, the in-between people, the average people. So this book, the Tanya, Tanya, Sefer Shalbanonim, really strives to do what the title's called, close to you. The Tanya says, look, we're going to take average people, we're going to take me and you, and we're going to understand this Pasuk in the Tyra that says, and I'm going to translate. It is close to you. It's close to every single one of us. It's like down to earth. It's realistic. It's an attainable goal to serve God with our mouth, with our heart, and in our actions. And the truth is, it's very easy to talk the talk and walk the walk. I mean, lip service is easy. The mouth part is easy. The action part is probably easy. But the goal of Tani is to explain how is it close to you to feel it in your heart. I know that for me growing up, I used to think of like the people that felt love of God and fear of God. They were like these maybe rabbis that, you know, wrapped in a talis, davening for hours. But like me and you, what does love and fear of God have to do with us? But right. the truth is, it's a mitzvah. It's a mitzvah to be this. It's a constant mitzvah for us, for women as well. So it's got to be, it's got to be doable. It's got to be something that like me and you can read a page, have what to think about and feel close to God. It has to be something that we could do. For sure. For sure. And I like that. It's relatable. I, I really feel like we all want to develop that close connection to Hashem. We may just not exactly know how to do it. But, right. Right. But and that's but, the purpose of this book to show you that exactly. it's not out of reach. It's close. 
Yes, exactly. I'm so excited. Um, and I want to see actually um, if you can read uh, a meditation to us and then we can talk about it. Is that okay? Sure. I'd love to. I just, you know, I feel like I, I'd love to preface it with two of the underlying themes that really are game changers. And they were game changers for me and they're game changers. So when you understand these two underlying themes, you really get the context of where these two meditations come from. Okay. The first theme of the Tanya that is really like, you know, mind blowing sounds similar to something that, you know, we might hear in other places. Um, but it's very specific. The Alter Rebbe starts and says, I have news for you. Remember we said, this is the safer Shalbanin. This is like for the average people. Yes. In order to understand how you can have a close relationship with God, you have to also understand what you cannot accomplish. The Alter Rebbe says, we're not trying to beat Sadiqim. Our goal isn't to be a Sadiq. There are wholly special people that were gifted with this ability. Regular people like me and you have two souls, a godly soul and an animal soul. And so this is the first underlying theme. And today we get very um, stuck, you know, by, by our pathology, by our issues, by our challenges. And the first theme that the altar ever says is one second. There are two parts of you, and you know who the real you is? Your godly soul. You have a part of you that's whole, that wants to connect to God, that wants to be one with God. So you can identify with that soul. And so a lot of the emotional baggage that we walk around with, feeling bad about ourselves, not liking ourselves, disappointed, guilt, shame, all the stuff and all the ways we failed, we can, one second, am I identifying by my animal soul or am I identifying with my godly soul? It's a huge shift. Am I just a body or my also soul? This, this light bulb moment of like, there's two forces inside of me. It, it releases so much tension. I'm normal. And so what this paves the way for is that it's normal to struggle. Yes. It's okay. It's okay to struggle. And if anything, the altar ever turns it over its head. If you feel shame that you're struggling with something, it actually comes from a place of ego. You think you're exempt from the rest of humanity? <laughs> We're all struggling. It's like, oh, earth to everyone. Most of us on this planet, our goal is to be a Benoni and the altar Rebbe describes what that means, but that's not a Russia and it's not a Tzaddik. It's the in-between. It's the, it's what I could attain for. So it's, it's like, before I, I, I start journeying on the spiritual path, but Tanya gives us very, like, I'm going to give you a little bit about like soul psychology. That's really what it's letting us know. This is soul psychology. Soul psychology says you have a good force and you have a selfish force and God gave it to you. You're not bad. God gave you this force. And by the way, this force, this animal soul that you have inside of you, that lives inside of you, just like you have a godly soul, this animal soul sometimes even wants good things for selfish reasons. It's just selfish. Right. And the job and our job is to slowly teach this animal soul to appreciate the things that the godly soul appreciates. But as soon as I know for sure, I have a wholly untouchable part to me. My whole sense of self is uplifted. I am not my failures. I am not my negative desires. I am not anything that ever happened in the past. Who am I? A soul that wants to connect to God, a piece of God. So this is like the first foundation underlying all the meditations and all the things that the Tanya wants us to think about. 
And the second, you know, theme that really brings us to be able to appreciate what we're doing here with the meditations is that I have this godly soul. I have this animal soul. I could take the driver's seat. It's like, you know, a driver could be driving and there might be, you know, backseat driver saying, go here, go right, go left. I could hear the go right. I could hear the go left. And I get to decide where to go. Yes. So the second piece is, is that I'm the driver in my seat. God gave me a brain. God gave me a mind. And that is the most powerful tool. Actually, Chabad stands for this. Chachma, Bina, and Dat. Chachma, and these are the three stages of, of using our mind. Chachma is, I'm not going to go into depth. I'm just saying in short, Chachma is that first flash of, of knowing something. It's like the first stages of like getting an aha moment. And Bina is when you comprehend something. And Das is when you really internalize something. But what the altar of it establishes, you got a brain, then you have an ability to impact the way you feel. And you know, I'll just throw in a joke here. There was a little boy who was really worried because his parents were really struggling financially and he didn't know what to do. He heard them talking about how they really need $500. So he says, I'll write a letter to God. I'll ask for money. Dear God, my parents have no money. We need $500. And he mails it to God. He puts it in the, you know, puts it in the mailbox. The mailman comes by and sees this letter and is like, oh, this poor kid, so sincere. And he brings it back to the post office and all the mailmen, you know, and all the clerks are talking about it. And they pull together some money and they put it in an envelope and it's about $300. And they say, from God. And he drops it off in the little boy's house. The next day, the little boy sees an envelope and he's so excited. It says, from God. He opens it up and there's $300 and he's overjoyed. And he writes a response back, dear God. Thanks for sending the money. Next time, please don't use the post office. They kept $200 for themselves. <laughs> so where am I going with this? If he would realize that these guys were so nice and out of the goodness of their heart, they pulled out of their pockets money, he would be so grateful for the 300. Yes. When he thinks they took 200, he's like all mad at them. Yes. And so what the altar of it establishes, which today is so, is, you know, become famous in other modalities is your thoughts will directly impact your thinking. I'm sorry. Your thoughts will directly impact your feeling. Yes. What you think about a whole day. If you think about something that someone said to you a few years ago, or somebody looked at you funny, you're going to feel offended. If you think about somebody you love, you're going to feel love. So what's the key to feeling love and fear of God? What's the key to having an emotional connection to God? It's going to be in what we think about. It's so powerful. And, you know, it's just so tempted sometimes to get lost in your negative thoughts. Like your negative thoughts can really take you down a road and you could just go, go, go and think negative all day. And if you can just stop in the beginning before you go down that road and think in a positive mindset and think positive thoughts and think loving good thoughts, then you can really, really train yourself to feel that love and to feel that connection to Hashem. It's a powerful thing. Right. And that's really what we're about thinking. And, and, and that's why I called it meditations and not just thoughts, because it's not about just reading it and forget about it. It's read it and think about it for the rest of the day, because our minds, you know, is on a roll the entire day. So either we're going to think about a to-do list or we're going to be distracted or thinking how to help, you know, our children, very good things. But sometimes like you described that negative trip that we take, the only way to um, avoid it is to consciously decide what I'm thinking about today. 
And if I'm going to think thoughts about God, I'm going to start having feelings about God. Right. That's the premise that we're that that the altar establishes. You're going to think happy thoughts, like you mentioned. You're going to feel happier. You're going to think, you know, thoughts about God as opposed to just myself. The animal soul is going to try to get me things thoughts about myself. The godly soul wants me to think thoughts about God. If I could be in the driver's seat and think some meditations and spend a little bit of time of it, I'm going to see, I'm actually going to start feeling close to God. That's the premise. So all these practical meditations and tips along the way are based on this premise that you could think your way to loving God. You can't. Wow. (laughs) That's something that's so powerful. You're right. You really have to you really have to internalize and, and meditate on it and just and make it a part of you almost. Right. And, you know, meditate sounds like this, like, I don't know, Middle Eastern concept. I just want to be very clear. When I talk about meditation here, I'm not talking about emptying your mind because that exists. And that's something separate. I'm talking about, I'm going to read the dictionary definition. Okay. Think deeply or focus one's mind for a period of time for religious or spiritual purposes or as a method of relaxation. So we're focusing here on the religious and spiritual purposes. And the thing is, is that we meditate, meditate all whole day anyway. We're thinking thoughts. Is it going to be unconscious or is it going to be conscious? Is it going to be automatic, right? In the end of the day, we could be thinking about our worries, our fears, our hurts, our resentments. We could be doing that. Or I can make a conscious effort to spend some time meditating, thinking, right? And that could be on your way to work. That could be when you're washing dishes. That could be when you're doing laundry. That could be any time you're just doing, right? And you're not demanded to use your full mental capacity. So you have mental capacity available because your hands and feet are doing something. You can use your mind and your mind is the most powerful tool to put you into a spiritual and emotionally healthy place. And it really goes hand in hand together because when we're thinking healthy spiritual thoughts, it's going to impact us, our sense of well-being and our sense of calm emotionally as well. It's so true. And it's so powerful. And I can't wait to hear your meditations because I really want to get myself into that positive place, that place of connection to Hashem. So this is going to be awesome. Okay. So I picked other ones for other podcasts, but I decided for your podcast, we're going to do different ones. So if, so if you are listening to this one, then it's a different one than I read previously so that you're in luck. I love it. Thank you. Okay. So I invite you, dear listeners, to get yourself in a space where you're going to give yourself these few minutes to relax and think and really use your imagination, which is God's gifts to you to really expound on this idea. This meditation is based on chapter 35 of Tanya, and it's called, What's the Point? How Mitzvahs Reveal God's Light. I was working out on the treadmill, and my son was looking at me strangely. But what's the point, Mommy, he asked. Why are you walking if you're not even going anywhere? It was clearly his first time watching me. Walking is the point, sweetheart. My goal isn't to get to a specific location, but to burn calories. The protagonist of the Tanya, the Bainini, remember that's us, has a similar question. What is the point of all the effort he invests in serving God if he sees no actual improvement? He may fill his days with goodies, but he still struggles constantly with his evil inclination 
and will never be a tzaddik. It seems like he's going nowhere, except that is exactly the point. Not to reach a destination per se, but to burn spiritual calories. The Zohar cites an analogy illustrating this idea. In order for a flame to burn, a wick is not enough. It needs oil to burn as a long lasting candle. The Zohar compares the Shekinah, God's revelation to a flame and the human body to a wick. In order for the Shekinah to be revealed in a person, it needs fuel to keep it burning. That's where those spiritual calories come in. Doing a physical mitzvah provides fuel for the flame of the Shekhinah. And the only way to reveal God's Shekhinah is by physically performing a mitzvah. Why are mitzvahs like fuel? Because just as physical fuel gets completely consumed as it becomes light and loses its identity, doing a mitzvah is a way to create God's light as there remains no conscious existence. If all I have are emotions for God, I'm consciously feeling my own existence. There is a me that's feeling the love and God's presence cannot be revealed when the sense of self is so thick. But when I do a mitzvah, it's about God, not about me. In other words, selflessness is the key to revealing God's light. And doing a mitzvah for God is exactly that. So while I may not be transforming my animal soul completely to the same extent as a tzaddik, I am harnessing its energy as an active participant in revealing holiness in the world. Tanya bit. Thought for meditation. The mitzvahs are God's inner will and the point of it all. Amazing. Amazing. I'd love to hear your takeaways um, from this, from what I read, and then I'll share mine. Okay. Yes. I mean, I love the treadmill analogy because yeah, if you're watching somebody, you've never seen them on the treadmill, they're walking, they're walking, they're walking, and they're really still in the same place and doesn't look like they're going anywhere. It really doesn't look like they're doing much. You know, it almost looks like the activity is pointless, but when you, when the activity is actually the point, then it makes more sense. So the same thing with mitzvahs, the mitzvahs are our our, um, vehicle to get close to Hashem. That's, that's, Right. You know People have this misguided sense of like, I'm trying to reach a certain pedestal and then I'm there. There's no there. Right. This is it. And yes. I found that it took away so much frustration because if I would look at my goals from five, 10 years ago, some of them I've reached, but in terms of my personality, things that were hard for me 10 years ago are still hard for me. And it was like a light bulb moment. Oh, each and every time I do a mitzvah and overcome that struggle, that's the point. Yes. So, you know, the Tanya actually goes back and forth between on the one hand, action being most important. And on the other hand, we can still improve in our kavana and our closest to Hashem. So the other meditation that I chose will be the other half, like how to have more feeling. But first we establish that. Think about the fact that this is spiritual fuel. This is burning spiritual calories. This is this is the point, because sometimes we get very caught up on like, what's the point? I'm going to wake up. I'm going to have a crazy busy day so that I could pay my mortgage, kids and fall asleep, exhausted to do it the next day. What, what am I doing here? And the answer is, this is what you're doing. This is the point. It's so clear. It gives me such a sense of um, purpose. There's a reason I'm waking up in the morning. Exactly. I feel like the journey is the point. It's like yes. you're not so much do, going, doing the journey to get somewhere, but the journey is the point. Right. And not just that. Every time I don't act 
on something that I want to do. No one else knows about it. No one else is busy giving me credit for every time I don't scream. Right. right. <laughs> I didn't scream at my kids today. No one's clapping. I didn't, I, you know, I was, I, I didn't, I didn't say a lie, but Hashem gives us credit. Hashem appreciates the effort. So this meditation, like for me, the thought that I would go away with was, you know, it feels so holy to, 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 to have like all this feeling for God. The point is the mitzvah. Right. This is what, this is the way I express my selflessness to Hashem. I don't understand it. It might be challenging for me. Hashem, this is for you. Shabbos is for you and kosher is for you. And, and every mitzvah of a Jewish woman, this is, this is for you. My tzedakah is for you. It, it also takes away from I'm doing it for myself. This is not about my schar, what I'm going to get out of this. I'm not thinking of the castles that I'm building. Right. Of course, a mitzvah, you know, has car and there's so many deeper explanations for, it, but that's not why I'm, that's not what I'm here for. I'm here for Hashem. I'm exactly. here to do his mitzvahs. Mm-hmm. I get my mind off myself because when my mind is on myself, again, it, it goes to all those dangerous neighborhoods that we spoke about before. Yes. Thinking about me, myself, and I can't see past my nose. <laughs> I want to get myself away from myself. I want to get myself to thinking about Hashem and how I could serve him. Right. And if you notice, there was like a little bit of reference to Zohar. There's deep stuff here. There's metaphor. I love to paint. So for me, like I visualize the candle and the wick, but the point of my book is to take something that seems so deep Zohar and the Balatanya brought it down for us and gave us this ability and said, this I'm bringing to you because this is information that's vital for you to know. It's vital for you to know that the same way a candle can't burn without a wick a flame needs something to hold on to. The mitzvah needs a physical, tangible thing to hold on to. There has to be something physical. It's not a side point. The physicality is the point. We're here to get mitzvahs done. Right. A hundred percent. It's not like a side, get your physicality out of the way so that you could do the real thing. This is part of the real thing. The real thing is the mitzvah in the physical world. It's not a mistake. Right. It's so interesting because we're supposed to take the physical and elevate it you know, elevate to make it more spiritual. And we do that by the physical action of us doing the mitzvahs. Like exactly like I was saying, like the mitzvah is the point that we were both, you know, saying right. the and journey, the work, the mitzvah, that's where it's by at. design. And then yep. when you think like that also, then even the mundane things, 95% of the day, you're not actually doing a mitzvah in the sense of like saying a bracha or, or, you know, 95% of the day might be mundane tasks, but if it's all, in order to do the mitzvah, for example, you might work nine to five, but in order to give miser, then what happens when you give that miser? Then all that work that you put in gets elevated. You're exactly. elevating a lot of energy. And not just that, what you could have bought yourself with that money gets elevated. You didn't buy yourself a purse because you gave 10%. Like what's happening here is that you're elevating your whole life. It's not just the time you're spent doing the mitzvah, but all that sweat and toil that you put into making the business deal and then you gave some to Staka, you get credit for that work that you did. You just made that business deal holy. Good point. <laughs> so our whole day could become holy because, you know, you're eating to get strong. So you have energy to be a wife or a mother or to daven or to, 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 to be kerholim or to do any mitzvah. Like everything, once you have this perspective, gets shifted. Your razor focus. The goal is the mitzvah. So everything revolves around the mitzvah. Everything I'm doing right? It's like, imagine like these parents that work, why are they working? We don't just work to make money. They work to provide for their family. There's a reason they're working. So by us, you take it further. We're providing for the family so that we could raise children to serve God. It all boils down to like, 
Right, so exactly. To, to, to the mitzvah, to the point, to the connection of Hashem, exactly, which we do through mitzvot, which, as you illustrated, can be done throughout the day. And like the very the very second, it doesn't take, you're right, it doesn't take all day to do a mitzvah, but everything that we do during the day that leads to the mitzvah thus becomes elevated when we actually do the actual, the action of the mitzvah. Right. And let's be honest, I don't think of this every single day of my life, but if today I was reading this meditation and I read it for three minutes or however long it took me, and then I thought about that, my entire day would look different because then supper becomes part of a mitzvah. I'm feeding Hashem's children. I'm giving them the kayak for them to learn Tyra tomorrow. My whole day changes when I have this short three minutes because I think about it. I meditate about this. And then instead of thinking everything is a drudgery and the pain in the neck, and instead of thinking of, you know, instead of being down, I, I could really shift my mind to feeling connected to God throughout my day. A hundred percent. That's the goal with the book. Like to, to think mitzvahs are the point of it all. What does that mean to me? Mitzvahs are the, that's literally the purpose I'm here, you know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. That was the first one. Are you ready for another one? I am. Yes. Okay. Um, listeners, if you have some music to put on, feel free to turn on some relaxing music as a backdrop to this. <laughs> so like we said before, the first meditation emphasized the action. Yes. The second meditation comes in a collection where the Tanya goes through practical ways to come to feeling love of God or fear of God, which like we said, are two mitzvahs that are constant mitzvahs. I picked the one that's not necessarily the easiest to read today, but the one that I found I connected to the most in my struggles and the things that were hard for me. Okay. And this is a form of meditation and something that you think about that can really help you feel close to God. Called Daily Escape, and it's based on chapter 47 of Tanya. Loving God for redeeming us from ourselves. Sometimes we feel like prisoners in our own bodies. It's almost as if we're hijacked by a force that compels us to act in a certain way, perpetuating a bad habit or acting against our own principles. We can experience a daily escape. When we feel like our body is imposing a limitation on us, not allowing us to be free of its desires, think food, money, power. There is a special prayer that can assist us. When a Jew recites the Shema prayer consciously, he says, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. When we desire godliness, he becomes ours, our God, so to speak. When we own God, when we tap into the fact that he is our own God, it empowers our godly soul to be free from the desires and compulsions of the body. This is miraculous and similar to the Exodus, the Jews experienced from Egypt. The Hebrew word for Egypt is Mitzrayim, which shares the root of the Hebrew word Mitzar, limitation. The great escape from Egypt did not just occur once to our people thousands of years ago, but continues to occur daily in our lives when we recite the Shema and get relief from our personal Egypts. This is the reason that our sages instituted that directly following the Shema, we recall the Exodus to remind us that this prayer is the key to our personal freedom. How can we not love God for giving us this opportunity? Tanya bit, thought for meditation. The story of the Exodus can be my daily story when I concentrate on the meaning of the Shema prayer. Beautiful. 
I've personally done this a number of times when I'm struggling with something. What does it mean I'm a prisoner? That means those moments when I scream and I don't want to, those moments where I, 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 I eat, I do, I say, I, I talk, I walk, I, I, I find myself not being in the way that I want to be. I could stop and say Shema, say those words and say, Hashem, please free me, please. And what happens is, is that when usually when I'm struggling, I'm not thinking about my godly soul. I'm usually thinking of my animal soul's limitations. As soon as I could tap into my godly soul, I feel unstoppable. I feel that unlimited. It's a piece of God. It's an infinite energy. When I say Shema, I really feel like Hashem is helping me. And that it's like a reciprocal love. Like when you feel like someone does you a massive favor, you just automatically feel love to them. You do. Yeah. It's like, you know, somebody after I had a baby, the people that sent me food, they were like, <laughs> I was so grateful to them. Yeah. But if I experienced God saving me from myself, so to speak, if I experienced God's help in my difficult moments, that will allow me to feel love of God. Beautiful. The same way. You know, a, a shorter version of this is, is thinking of, I mean, it's going into a different love, but the Alter Rebbe discusses this also. He calls it Ahavat Olam, Avas Ailam, love of worldly things. Let's do this right now. Think of one thing or person that you love. Okay. You got it? Yep. Think about it and until you feel that feeling in your heart, like not just think about it in your mind. Like if it's pizza, feel love for pizza. If it's a, <laughs> if it's a person, like if I'm thinking of my four-year-old child right now, like think of him, I think see his face, his expression and hugging me goodnight to like, I feel that love bursting in my heart. Yes. Yes. And then the Balatanya, the Alta Rabbi says, you can transfer that to Hashem. You could think who's the source of this thing that I love. Hashem for sure. So then that love that I have for my four-year-old child, I could transfer and be like, I love Hashem for giving me this child. It's not so far-fetched to feel love of God. It's not so out there. It's so doable. God created us that what we think about affects what we feel. Yes. So if I, I already love, I already have this capacity for love. If I think, if I add that piece, God gave me this thing that I love, I will suddenly feel this love for God. And it totally how- makes sense. Yeah. And that's actually the meditation I love to do on my way to school, especially like during the fall when I love this, you know, the colors and everything. It's like such a happy time for me to think, you know, what do I love and and transferring that love to Hashem and really, you know, this is close to you. The goal here is to experience it. Wow. I'm, I'm just taking in everything that you said. And you're right. And I love the metaphor with, you know, thinking about somebody or something that you love and then just transferring to Hashem because Hashem really is the source of everything, everything, our health, our family, our material possessions, our abilities, our talents, our everything. So if we can just transfer from that, that, that physical, that tangible thing that we love to Hashem, who is the source who gave us that thing, it really, you're, you're right. It really is doable. There's a connection there. Right. And the, the meditation that I read is a little bit longer because it's a few step process. But once you go through that process, the, the rewards are immeasurable. Like if you find yourself during the day, feeling like your animal soul is getting the best of you, mm-hmm. you call out to God and you say Shema and you're talking to him and you feel like he helped you. He saved you from the clutches of, of, of feeling imprisoned. Anyone who, you know, in the extreme sense, has felt like they had things that they had no control over. And then with God's help, they got control over. There's this huge feeling of gratitude. 
Yes. And, and which leads to love when we think it's God that helped me. For sure. Yes. And we have to make that connection. That's the important part to actually make that connection. There was God that helped us. That's that's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to think about God. And that goes back to the two points, the two premises we made. The first premise is you got an animal soul and you got a godly soul. And the second is you can be in the driver's seat. You can choose and and, and your thoughts will lead to your feelings. So instead of fighting negative thoughts and telling yourself, don't think right, that doesn't work like don't think about a pink elephant right now. Don't think about it, you know, and you're going to think about a pink elephant. We're not putting so much energy on the negativity. We're not putting so much energy on the, you know, the negative thoughts that your animal soul feeds you. Like we know everyone, you know, like people get shocked how it could be that someone who's so good on the outside could have negative parts. Then there's no shock here. We're all human. Okay. Don't give it so much attention, put all your effort into the positive, put all your effort into thinking about God. And then it's close to you. That pasuk we started off with, b'ficha, in your mouth, u'belvavcha. You can feel in your heart enough love of God to motivate you, la saisai, to do. Think, again, there, and the altar has many methods, but the, the underlying point is the same. You think about God in a positive way, you are going to develop feelings for God. And it's so realistic. A hundred percent. hundred percent for sure. And I want to ask you, I mean, the Tanya is such a beautiful, beautiful topic to write about. And I was just wondering, what was your inspiration in writing this book? In other words, like, why did you specifically pick the Tanya to write about versus Parsha of the week versus some other topic? Why particularly Tanya? I think that this book has made such a transformation in my life. I really wanted to bring the book close to you because I felt like it was in Hebrew. There are translations out there. There are plenty of books in Tanya. But if the whole point of Tanya is close to you, I wanted it to be in a way that was really close to you, right. you know, that every woman could pick this up and it's really, 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 really accessible. And I really feel like maybe this is not work that you necessarily see on the outside. This is inner work. Yes. Like we said, soul psychology, this book, this safer has transformed my inner landscape so, so, so much. I have another book for women that's, you know, in the works and that's also getting published. And I have other things that I'm working on, but to me, this was like close to my heart for this, for this reason. Like we want to take this idea and, and bring it to women and make it really, really accessible, you know, in a really close way. I love it. I love it. It makes total sense. Now, where can people purchase your book? The close to you. Um, you can order it um, online. The link is meaningfullife.com forward slash close to you. Okay. Can you say that again? So I could write it sure. down. So it's that people- published by the meaningful life center. So the website is meaningfullife.com mm-hmm. slash close to you. Okay. I know they're getting it into physical stores as well. I've, you know, I live in Crown Heights. It has come to Crown Heights stores. I don't know yet, you know, which other stores, which other brick and mortar stores it's coming to, but it's definitely available online, meaningfullife.com close to you. And I'd love to hear feedback if anybody buys it and is impacted by it and is touched by it. I would love to hear my contact is in the book. And I would love to hear that we're making a difference that women are feeling that, God is a real part of their life, that their thirst for meaning is filled, that they don't feel like they 
have to go back to the seminary days. We're not going backwards. We're going forward. We're filling our lives constantly and consistently with real, rich, deep spirituality so that our souls are on fire and that will trickle down to our entire family. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much, Rebbits and Sarah, for joining us on America's Top Rebbitson. We really enjoyed having you here. I think we all learned so much. Close to You is a very special book and definitely, definitely worth the read. And we hope that all the learning that we did today will be for Rafua Shalema from Murder High Ben Bracha. Thank you so much. Sure. Thank you for having me. Have a good night. You too. Thank you.